Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Audio Judo. Just woke Matthew up with that one. <laughs> I'm Kyle. And I am Matthew, the aforementioned Matthew. Uh, welcome to Audio Judo, your podcast of music discovery. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, your premier source for music podcasts. They are literally adding new podcasts every week. And with so much quality content that you are guaranteed to find something that you will love after you listen to us, of course. Of course. Uh, now, I am not a big Kiss fan. Uh, I think I... Like every other kid in the 70s was fascinated with the band in full makeup and thought that it was cool back then, uh, but I never really appreciated appreciated them musically at all. Uh, I thought they were pretty average, and I kind of still do. (laughs) But after listening to the Shout It Out Loud podcast on Pantheon, I certainly have a new appreciation for their history. Uh, Check that one out and all the others at PantheonPodcasts.com. They definitely attract some of the most fanatical fans. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that's awesome. It's it's always been like a weird it's it's weird to me uh how how fanatical and they're usually people that are like, well, my day job is I'm an accountant and then at night I put on full kiss makeup and go see, you know, kiss yes. cover bands and stuff. It, it's crazy. And it's, but it's cool. Right, and I get it because they they do they do give a great show for yeah. m- for the money. And that's that's really where where they've always been focused is giving a really good show, whether or not they're great musically can be argued. uh, But but their show is really good. But this week, Mm. we're excited to be doing my favorite episode of the year every year as we cover our top 10 albums that were released in 2021. This is not only my favorite episode, but it is also the episode that requires the most work. Yes, it does. As it makes us pay attention to new music almost on a weekly basis constantly listening to new things, which is fantastic, but sometimes kind of makes it difficult to connect with new stuff. Uh, sometimes new stuff requires more than one or two listens to really enjoy it or get it. Uh, but when you have to shuffle through new material all the time, it becomes quite the challenge. Uh, add in the fact that we're coming off the first complete COVID year of releases, it made for some interesting things. I know we talked about the fact privately that we are expecting some unbelievable new music to come out of the covid isolation yes uh and what i am thinking is that that will probably be 2022 when the masterpieces of the covid writing period are released Uh, i think there has to be like a six month to one year gestation period 
before that groundbreaking, earth-shattering stuff comes out. I think we're starting to see little trickles of it here and there, but I agree with you. I yeah. think 2022 is going to be an amazing year for music. Yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. Uh, while I say that, some of the records that came out this year are fantastic, as we will see, but I think there's uh, so much more to come. I definitely do want to say before we start this, I think 2021 had way better music than 2020 or 2019. I agree with that. There was a huge increase, not only in the quality uh, of good music that was coming out, but the quantity of it. Oh, uh, it was for sure. way harder <laughs> to pick an album this year than uh, five albums this year than in the couple previous years. I, I don't know. I agree wholeheartedly. It was uh, just so much. Yeah. You just there, we, there was a, a broad path of choices i guess yeah i have the uh on my laptop i have the new releases uh, mm -hmm. section from metacritic that i refresh every friday and it's just <laughs> like this laundry list of stuff i'm like i gotta go through all this <laughs> crap but i don't know about you Kyle. my system is pretty simple i scour mm -hmm. the new releases that come out every week and as many genres as i can comb through and then start listening to stuff that at least looks interesting um it kind of needs to rope me in visually as well uh, then I kind of sift through the names of artists that I recognize and give those a once over. And then I shift to the stuff that I am completely unfamiliar with and see what strikes my fancy. And then it's a repetition game. Then it's just listening to it more and more. Um, and just like every year, we have an enormous amount of material to get through. Uh, so you're ready to start this thing off? Yeah, let's do it. You started last year. Mm -hmm. So I will go first this time. Sweet. We are all about equity. Of course. On this show. So... My first choice on our top 10 albums of the year is the album The Future Bites by Stephen Wilson. Mm. So uh, for many, many years, I had known Stephen Wilson as the uh, quote-unquote prog whisperer. Uh, he has been renowned in the industry for remixing in 5.1 surround sound uh, the entire back catalogs of Jethro Tull, King Crimson. He also uh, mixed Marillion's Misplaced Childhood. He did a Rush album, several G Gentle Giant records, several early Yes albums. Uh, he, all, he remixed all those in 5.1. I also knew him as the lead singer and guitarist for the prog group Porcupine Tree and <laughs> other assorted British prog groups, but I had no idea for some reason that he had a solo career at all. Uh, and when I found this record and his several other releases before this, I was kicking myself for missing it. <laughs> so Stephen Wilson is known as, quote, the most successful British artist you've never heard of. <laughs> His recordings stretch across multiple genres, and he is absolutely prolific. He has worked with everyone from Yoko Ono to Fish to Dream Theater to Alex Lifeson of Rush. His work is complex and rich in structure, and it's also lyrically very interesting. And when I saw this record in his name, I was expecting this very explosive record because he usually recruits some of the most gifted musicians in the industry to play on his records, including himself. Um, drummers like Marco Miniman and uh, uh, Josh Harrison, just incredible names. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but what I was greeted with was something unusual and slightly minimalist and heavy on sequencers and utilizing space in the songs instead of his very typical dense compositions. So The Future Bites was released in January 2021 and was primarily recorded before the pandemic even occurred. Uh, it was supposed to be released in 2020, but he delayed, uh, delayed it to not lose all of the marketing and touring opportunities associated with the release. Hmm. And it is an album primarily about excessive consumerism. Uh, the first clip is from a song called Self. Wilson has this unreal sense of melody and finding them in the strangest ways in a song. This song is all almost counter melody and yet it is really supremely listenable that you have to just see it through to the end here's a bit of self right here 
down Entertain like a fucking clown Self-image and self-belief Selfish acts between the sheets Self has no sense of tact Self is too self-detached Uh, the chorus of this song, which is so brilliant, is uh, we are self, the self that loves itself now. We are self, I only see myself now. It's wonderfully constructed uh, and very unusual when you consider what he's really known for, which is Prague. This is not Prague, but it could be. <laughs> and it's hard to define exactly where you put your finger on it. Uh, but the center point of the record is the song Personal Shopper. Wilson released it as the first single off the record, and it just happens to be nine minutes and 49 seconds long. Wow. It's a pretty ballsy move for any artist, saying he wasn't willing to sacrifice any part of the song as a single. It is an in-your-face statement about consumerism, a clear swipe at Jeff Bezos, and chastising us for buying the shit we never knew we lacked. <laughs> um, there's, I'm going to play a clip that actually has two sections in it. The first one is the main melody of the song. And the second one is uh, taking the experiment of the song a little bit further with art imitating life. I'll explain after it plays right here. So the music drops out, right? We're greeted with a bit of a menacing British voiceover talking about all the things we frivolously waste our money on. Uh, and that part turns out that voiceover artist is none other than the frivolous spender himself, Elton John. What? Yeah. Huh. Uh, he got him to record this bit for it. And of course, the first thing he mentions, which is a great tongue-in-cheek moment, sunglasses. <laughs> which I think is just fucking great. I love it so much. <laughs> That's and pretty then, amazing. And then to continue his art imitating life, one of the things mentioned in the song that we waste our money on, deluxe edition box set. <laughs> Wilson produced and sold one, exactly one, deluxe edition box set of this record before anyone knew what the album was about for 10,000 pounds. Wow. Because people will buy anything just to say they have it. And that's exactly what he was trying to prove. It's freaking great marketing. It's great. It's a strong record beginning to end. It only got to number 193 on the U.S. Billboard chart mm. because nobody gets the Brits, but number four in the U.K. What a surprise. Further evidence that his stuff lands there and dies here. <laughs> 
Uh, he had planned to tour the record, but shelved that because of COVID, and instead wrote and recorded two more albums that he will release in 2022 and 2023. Oh, and he also reformed Porcupine Tree and recorded an album with them as well. Like I not? said, prolific as hell. So check it out. The Future Bites. By future Bites. By Stephen Wilson. Had kind of a like a, a little bit of a Nine Inch Nails industrial vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think you would like this I'm, record. I'm going to have to go check it out now. I think that if you went, really cool. went back to his older stuff, I don't think you would like that as much as you would like this record. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, you're up. Not Europe. You are up. I did not pick a Europe album as my... Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. damn it. The final, the final, final countdown. <laughs> it's the, the sequel. No, but I did pick... The, the first one on my list uh, today is, is definitely a Dark Horse entry. Uh, had you at, told me a couple years ago, you know... That this would be something that I would pick for uh, albums of the year, would have never guessed it. It's uh, Amy Mann's Queens of the Summer Hotel. That is such a good record. It is so great. Uh, it feels like it, it was pulled right out of the 1960s. Like it's a lost, like uh, Joan Baez or Dusty Springfield album that somebody had forgotten about and then pulled out of that era. That was number 10 on my list. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was right there. It was there. Yeah, it is so good, though. Um, in case you don't know who Amy Mann is, uh, she's an American singer-songwriter. Uh, back in 1983, she founded the new wave band Till Tuesday uh, with her classmate and at the time boyfriend Michael Hausman. Uh, Voices Carry, their first album and the title track on that album, did very well. It reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. Keep it down now. <laughs> uh, we actually have an upcoming episode on Rush's 1987 album, Hold Your Fire, in which Mann uh, sang vocals with Geddy Lee on the song Time Stands Still. So she kind of came back around again. Uh, her first two solo albums, Whatever in 1993 and I'm With Stupid in 1995, both did pretty well and were well-reviewed. But she achieved a much wider reach and more success as a solo artist when she recorded songs for the soundtrack to the 1999 film Magnolia. Uh, she's been writing and recording successfully since then, uh, with seven more full-length albums between 2000 and 2020. Queens of the Summer Hotel was released fairly late this year, November 5th, 2021. The songs of this album were originally developed for a musical based on the memoir Girl Interrupted, uh, the 1993 uh, memoir by Susan Kaysen uh, about her time in a psychiatric hospital. This first one is a little clip from the opening track called You Fall. I know what you think. I know this this never could be my fate. As you sip in your dream. Producer Randy just mentioned that it reminds reminds him of a Carpenter's album, and I can totally see that too. It's definitely a, a much uh, a very laid back album. It's a very you know toned down kind of a quiet afternoon album to me. Sadly, the musical uh, that this music was for was canceled by the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, but happily the music for it lives on. Uh, Man actually started on the music back in twenty eighteen, and she took a, a short medical break during twenty twenty due to a nervous system disorder she was suffering from. So the good news is she seems to be doing much better. Uh, she plans more music in the future, so hopefully that will happen. The album name here came from a poem by Anne Sexton, uh, who was actually treated at McLean Psychiatric Hospital in Massachusetts 
the same hospital as uh, Susanna Kaysen. And according to the uh, spin article from November 2021 titled On the Record, Amy Mann's Queens of the Summer Hotel uh, by Liza Lentini, uh, was also the hospital where Sylvia Plath and Robert Lowell were both treated, who have a track on this album named after them. It's uh, track number two. I don't have a clip from that one, but I do have a little clip from uh, I See You, the closing track to Queens of the Summer Hotel, and here's that. There is a girl out with the tide, empty as the sky. I see you, dead to the world, frozen inside. I definitely think this is going to be one of those albums that uh, it has a a long-term staying power to it. You know what I mean? It's not something you're going to listen to frequently, but it's something that every year or so you'll be like, oh, actually, you know what would be really great this afternoon while I do dishes or or something around the house? Throw this album on and it'll be a, yeah, it doesn't a great get, listen. It doesn't get heavy rotation, but it, no. it, it's certainly a, a specific mood type record. Yeah, but I do think it's great. I think it's worth a listen. It's uh, Amy Mann's Queens of the Summer Hotel. I like that one. Uh, my second choice for the year is by the British band Royal Blood, and it is their third full-length release, Typhoons. Royal Blood is a rock duo with a similar setup to the one of our favorite groups, the Cold Stairs, drummer Ben Thatcher and guitarist-vocalist Mike Kerr. The difference is that while I call him the guitarist in the band, technically, he plays a modified bass, so it sounds like a lower-registered guitar, but it is actually a higher-pitched bass. Does that make sense? That's yeah, a little weird, but it makes sense. Uh, I first heard of them when they released their first album, the self-titled Royal Blood, in 2014. I was reading a bunch of music articles at the time, came across an interview with Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page, and I read these words. I went to hear them in New York. They were fantastic, absolutely riveting, Page says. They're such fine musicians. However long the set was, I could have heard twice as much. Their album has taken the genre up a serious few notches. It's so refreshing to hear because they play with the spirit of the things that have preceded them, but you can hear they're going to take rock into a new realm if they're not doing that already. It's music of tremendous quality. So if the album was good enough for one of the most legendary musicians in rock history, then I should probably give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> Blown away right from the get-go. The sound was so much different than anything going on right then. Uh, and they have won the Best British Group Award at the Brit Awards in two separate years now, so they're pretty successful. Yeah. Uh, they took a bit of a step back in 2017, with follow-up record, How Did We Get So Dark, when Mike Kerr struggled with some addiction issues. And he spoke extensively about that during the lead-up to the Typhoon's release, when he said he was just stuck in an endless cycle after the success of the first record. Concert, party, hangover, try to write. Concert, party, hangover, try to write. <laughs> uh, and the material suffered as a result. So he decided to draw himself out for the recording of the new record, and the material took a step back up. The first single off the record, called Trouble's Coming, reached number one in Canada and number two on the U.S. rock airplay chart. And here's a little bit of it right here.
So while the band was really focused on that hard driving rock sound in the first two records, uh, I think the incorporation of the dance slash pop slash electronica elements have helped to vary their sound a little bit more and make it a little more interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think if there's a knock on the band, it's that the songs can get a bit samey when the album is taken in very big doses. Sitting down and listening to the whole thing at one time can be a bit of a slog, uh, but it is an excellent record. Uh, the album reached number 48 here in the States and number one in their native UK. Clearly a UK guy. It's weird. <laughs> what I absolutely love about the band is how they blended that old rock sound from the 70s and 80s with more current sounds for some very unique pop sounds. Uh, the next clip is from a song called Boilermaker. There isn't a lot going on, and I'm totally okay with that. It's just great rock pop music that you could turn up super loud and rock out to. It's awesome. It's like you can turn it up at a party and just blast it out. So uh, check that out. That's Typhoons by Royal Blood. Typhoons by Royal Blood. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, my next album is uh, uh, a new artist. Uh, uh, He's done a little bit of work before this, uh, but no, this is his first real album. Uh, It's called uh, There Will Be Tears by Vincent. Uh, it was released on June 11th, 2021. Never uh, heard of it. Like I said, it's his hit debut album, and it's this fantastic vocal pop-driven album that makes it almost impossible to be sad when you listen to the whole thing, uh, even though it does deal with some uh, sad and fairly emotional moments. Um, Vincent Kennedy, known by the mononym Vincent, all caps, uh, is an American singer and songwriter who you might recognize from the first season of the singing competition, The Four, where he sang a cover of Radiohead's Creep. To get us started off here, here's a little clip from the song Higher, the second track on the album, which features uh, Alex Newell and uh, Princess Precious. Confetti go. Right. <laughs> that that one could definitely be a club banger right Hell there. Yeah. And like I said, this is this is a much more poppy album uh, than I would normally pick, but I, I loved it. I, I loved listening to it. Uh, Vincent was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, his father was a gospel singer, and Vincent began singing at the young age of five. Uh, he was very very shy, but his father nurtured his interests in music by taking him to audition for an all boys choir when he was only seven years old. 
At age 12, he wrote his very first song, and he also, uh, after high school, attended Berklee College of Music, and he graduated in 2013. Uh, he's released a handful of singles uh, uh, between his time on The Four and uh, the release of this album. Uh, and I think there's an EP in there as well, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, I-, I like this album quite a bit. Uh, here's a little clip from uh, the song Loving You 88. we're hearing here i think we're hearing the beginning of a baby pop star uh, oh. he is 30 years old so he's not really a baby not but a baby. i think this is the first album in what could be a pretty long pop music career i definitely think that this album is very good it feels like it is missing something to me i could not i've listened to it maybe a dozen times and i there it's some little thing is missing from it hmm. and i don't know if it's it's just a little unpolished or if there's like an instrumentation that's missing or what it's still very, very good, but it just, if it had whatever that little thing is, I think it would have been elevated up to that next level and you'd be hearing it all over the radio and, and, you know, it in, in grocery stores and a little immature, not yes. like it's, it's not quite, it's not quite seasoned polished enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, there is something there and I, I so hope that he finds it Yeah, because I think that if he does, he could, like I said, he could become a huge pop star. I got a Mika soon. vibe from it too. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. Interesting. So he is going on tour to promote it in 2022, hopefully uh, the getaway tour. So if you want to see him live, uh, you can do that. And obviously you can find it just about everywhere. Vincent. Vincent. There will be tears. Sounds, sounds interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, so it's me, right? Me? Mm-hmm. So the next choice is uh, an album called The Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra. So this is the only record on my list this year by a band that I had never heard of until mm. this album. Uh, I originally had three of those on this list, but this was the only one to make the cut. Ooh. Uh, and quite honestly, this is the record that I am most excited about, probably for that exact reason. <laughs> uh, Manchester Orchestra is an Atlanta-based rock band that has been around since 2004. And this is their sixth studio album. Wow, that's pretty prolific. So it's a little frustrating that I hadn't heard of them before, which means that quality music like this is increasingly hard to find. Uh, Through the years, they have performed on a number of late night shows. And naturally, me being of an advanced age, missed all of those performances, or I would have heard of them by now, Dan. I found this record the old fashioned way, scrolling through all the new releases and the name of the record stuck out, The Million Masks of God. Me being a child of broken faith was immediately captivated by that term, uh, because as you become more and more jaded about the existence of God, you start to see God, for better or worse, in the faces of everyone around you. So that name, The Million Masks of God, held a lot of promise. Starting to listen to the record, it just solidified my relationship with it. So, for years and years, I've been searching for arena bands, bands with a sound that would translate to playing in arenas like the bands that I grew up with in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Music was built 
to be played like that back in the 80s, and I missed bands that sounded like that. And most importantly, I wanted to find bands that did it better than Coldplay. <laughs> I like the Coldplay sound, cavernous and such, but I think they are inferior songwriters. Really. Fair enough. I'm sure I will take a lot of heat for such an outrageous opinion, but other than parts of their first record, Parachutes, that band has done nothing for me except disappoint. Uh, anyway, I found uh, a few new bands over the years that gave me uh, some hope bands like Longview, Snow Patrol, Muse for a while, but I lost interest quickly. Count this band among the ones that I'm going to follow and watch because the potential is there. Uh, the title of the record is taken from a poem called Gold Leaves uh, by writer J. K. Chesterton, a contemporary of Oscar Wilde and George Bernard Shaw. The poem says this, In youth I sought the prince of men, captain in cosmic wars, our titan, even the weeds would show, defiant to the stars. But now a great thing in the street seems any human nod, where shift in strange democracy the million masks of God. Anyone quoting and referencing literature like this immediately wins big points with me, <laughs> because they're absolutely digging deep for this music. And knowing that kind of love is being put into it makes it that much better. And I think when you start to listen to the music, which is an eclectic blend of arena rock, Simon and Garfunkel harmonies and melodies, the best thing is when you hear in their music, seems to, it seems to change with every listen. Uh, this is a piece of their first single called Bedhead. So good and interesting. And then when I actually read the lyrics, it's one of those things that would have spoken to me when I was a searching 18-year-old. So why should it be any different when I'm a searching 49-year-old? Sure. Oh my God, let me relinquish and start to distinguish my past and my time. There's zero about this that I don't absolutely love. <laughs> uh, but then when you couple that song with its driving sound and full orchestration with the next song I'm going to play, you see what they're probably capable, capable of. This is uh, called Telepath. In my mind, you are an old empty apartment Sitting on your mother's table next to you is her Carving out our names into each piece of wood and concrete Told her I don't have a lot, babe You can have my soul Baby, do you want me? Baby, do you want me? Baby, do you want me? Simon and Garfunkel, huh? Very Simon and Garfunkel. Right, it's so good. In the lyrics, in my mind, you are the road I chose to travel. Might as well have been the very last thing I decide. Even the lyrics are Simon and Garfunkel. And I really wanted to play a bit of every track from this record, 
And I think the possibility exists that I put this on the regular calendar because it's just Ooh. that good. Um, I've been emailing them almost monthly since this record came out to try and get them <laughs> on here for an interview, but nothing yet. So I will keep at it. If you are out there, Manchester Orchestra, and you are looking to talk to a slightly successful, mildly amusing <laughs> podcast, let us know at info.audiojudo.com. We would love to talk to you. Uh, in addition to their musical endeavors, they also host a podcast. They also host and headline an annual music festival in Atlanta that takes place around Thanksgiving called oh, wow. The Stuffing. <laughs> uh, they've had bands like Group Love and Cage the Elephant. I love these guys, so make sure you check this one out. It's called The Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra. Should we uh, take a little break since we're halfway through and uh, we'll come back and uh, yeah. wrap this baby up? Let's take a break. Don't Smother Nature is a one-stop shop for sustainable home goods. They do the research to compile all the best and most affordable options and group them into a convenient online location. With smooth navigation, helpful support, and easy returns and tracking, they make transitioning you and your home to be more Earth-friendly a simple and accessible process. They just had their grand opening, so browse their extensive catalog now at DontSmotherNature.com. That's DontSmotherNature.com. When you're smiling. Hey, you. It's me, Michael Bublé, for Bubbly Sparkling Water. Bubbly is crisp, light, and refreshing. It's got taste, and it's perfect for any occasion. Keep on smiling. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. The whole world smiles with you. Bubbly. Crack a smile. The winter is nearly upon us, everyone, and it's about this time of the year that I start shifting from normal, chilled wine to something a little warmer. How do you feel about tea, Kyle? Uh, I'm not a big tea drinker, but I have had it before. No? I had like a lot of different teas, but if you think you know tea, then you haven't tried Tiesta tea. Oh. It's premium loose leaf tea. It comes in five different varieties like Energizer and Slenderizer and Relaxer. Whole bunch of flavors like Maui mango, lavender, chamomile, and fruity paradise. Ooh. Uh, my favorite is nutty almond cream, Ooh. which is a perfect cup to just chill me out before I go to sleep. That sounds very much like a nice wintry blend. It's nice. Heather and I have uh, tried some, and she has a favorite or two. We have. We have. I actually really like that one as well. It It's reminiscent of a snickerdoodle cookie. Ooh. So the scent, like... When you're just kind of holding the cup and just like putting it up to your nose breathing and the breathing steam that in. aroma in, it's it's like a, a snickerdoodle just like blasting you in the face. Yeah, Ooh. it's awesome. So they are also our new partners. Oh. And if you order with the code JUDO15, you can get 15% off your order. Just go to TS2T.com, put in the code at checkout. That's JUDO15. Because once you go loose, you never go bagged. So, uh, Matthew, my next one is Arlo Parks Collapsed into Sunbeams. As another artist I had not heard of previous to 2021, there's a whole group of artists that are not, I don't know how to put this into words here. They're not of my uh, musical sphere. Okay. They They are a generation younger than me, or maybe even a little bit younger than that. Kind of the, the, the young millennials, old Gen Z generation of musicians that are up and coming. And it turns out that they all actually help each other out. (laughs) 
<laughs> weirdly enough, and, and work on each other's projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a whole group of them uh, uh, that exist that uh, I feel stupid for not knowing anything about them until just recently. <laughs> but uh, 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 they are all very good. Uh, and they all, like I said, they all do things on each other's albums and then it helps with a circular promotion sort of a deal. Uh, but Arlo Parks is one of them. Uh, this album, uh, Collapsed Into Sunshine, was released on January 29th, 2021, so it's almost a year old now. Uh, it is Arlo Parks' debut album. Uh, it opens with a poem of the same name. Uh, from there, it begins traveling down this road of this sort of smooth R&B vocal thing, backed by a driving beat uh, that kind of carries out throughout the whole album. Here's a little clip from Hurt, uh, the second track on the album. I find the lyrics huh. on this album superb, uh, and they are all written by Arlo Parks uh, and Gianluca Bucciolati. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. With additional writing credits going to uh, Alessandro Bucciolati, Claire Cottrell, who you may know as singer-songwriter Clyro, Phoebe Bridgers, Archie Marshall, who you might also know as King Cruel, Christopher Breo, who you might also know as Frank Ocean. Uh, and Malay- I know that. No, I, I knew that one. Oh, there you go. And uh, uh, Malay Ho. Again, it's this generational group of people who um, help each other out and they, they, they work on each other's projects. And it was amazing to me to start looking into this and being like, oh, they co-wrote with, you know, this person. And then you go look up King Cruel and it's like, oh, he co-wrote with all these other same people. And then, oh, this person co-wrote with all of these people. Um, Did you read what her real name is? Yes. And I'm about to try to pronounce it because okay. it's uh so I, I hope I am doing this justice and I apologize if I am not. Uh, Anais. Aluwatoyan Estelle Marino. I think you did that very well. Known as Arlo Parks. She's a British singer, songwriter, and poet. Uh, we happen to share a birthday, August 9th. Oh, how sweet. Uh, but she is 16 years younger than I am. Oh. And it made me say to myself, is this what it feels like when I talk to Matthew? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. As a matter of fact, it does. I, I'm so sorry. It's all right. Uh, she was born and raised in Hammersmith, West London. Uh, she's half Nigerian, quarter Chadian, and quarter French. From Chad, eh? Yeah. Uh, in 2018, she began uploading demos to a, a service called the BBC's Music Introducing uh, which is a system designed to help promote unsigned and undiscovered artists, because literally any British musician can upload a track to it, and it might get played on the radio, it might get played on TV, or it might not just—it might just sit there and not go anywhere. But at least you get a chance. Uh, she released two EPs before this: uh, "Super Sad Generation" in April 2019, and "Sophie" in December 2019. Uh, here's a little clip from the song "Green Eyes." So I know why we lost it too. Our love and for blood. I 
She's already got a hit album, and she's 16 younger than I am. But apparently I'm not the only one who 16, likes this album. 16, 16, did you say 16 years younger than you? Yeah. Okay. Why? It's, it sounds like you said something else. Oh. That's what, okay, oh, maybe so you I did, did say that. <laughs> 16 younger years. 16 younger years than I am. What I meant to say was, she is 16 years younger than I am, and she already has a hit album. And apparently, I am not the only one who likes this album, because it peaked at number three on the UK albums charts. It was nominated for Album of the Year, Best New Artist, and Best British Female Solo Artist at the 2021 Brit Awards. It won the 2021 Mercury Prize for the Best Album, and it's nominated for the Best Alternative Music Album at the 64th Annual Grammy Awards. So it's garbage, is what you're it's saying. It's just a hot piece of garbage. Uh, no, honestly, I think this is a wonderful, wonderful album. I hesitate to call it lounge music-y, but I do get that feeling from a lot of the tracks on here. It, it, the the singing style reminds me of lounge music from the 30s and 40s. It's very intriguing. Hopefully some more buzz picks up in the US on this, uh, and she gets a lot of radio play here because it, it is a, a great album. Go listen to it. I, uh, I'm excited to listen to that one, actually. It sounded pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's very, very good. Different. I like it. My next choice is Scaled and Icy by 21 Pilots. Uh, in all actuality, I was not expecting a new album from 21 Pilots in 2021. Yeah. Uh, but given the pandemic and a heck of a lot of isolation for everyone, it shouldn't have really surprised me. Uh, earlier during the pandemic, the duo released a single called Level of Concern that encouraged people to be hopeful, especially during darker times, and pretty specifically addressed the mental health concerns caused by the pan pandemic. And because of the pandemic, this album was recorded completely remotely, with each of the members recording tracks in their home studios and emailing them back and forth. Wow. Scaled and icy refers to a term that Tyler Joseph used to address the pandemic and how its impact on music produced at the time, what its impact was. It is short for scaled back and isolated. Scaled back, scaled and icy. Scaled back and isolated. Ah. But in true Joseph style, he wanted to portray in the music and the lyrics the exact opposite of that. So what would have been the perfect time to release a 21 Pilots album full of lyrics dealing with suicide and mental health and nighttime depression? You are instead greeted with sunny melodies, wonderfully sugary pop songs, and lyrical ideas about growth and reminiscence and good and fun days. And that is the reason that this album is on my list. Because in the grand scheme that is the catalog of 21 Pilots records, this one isn't that high for me. But it is the perfect COVID record because it is everything that it shouldn't be. The first clip, uh, first clip I'm going to play is from a song called Shy Away. The song is basically a letter to his younger brother about pursuing a career in the music business and encouraging him to follow his own beat and not worry about what other people think of it. Sounds like this. So what I love is the playfulness of the sounds that he gets. It sounds like a Casio keyboard, 
without sounding cheesy. Yeah. And there's something about the way this young man writes songs that is so captivating to me because this style of music is not something that I would have typically listened to if it weren't for him. Uh, on the surface, this record is sunny and happy, but dig just a touch deeper and you find that little hint of bitterness in Joseph's lyrics, which always makes it a little more fun to listen to. <laughs> uh, the next clip is from the song The Outside, which is about the same music business he was telling his brother to ignore. Joseph is jaded about it because he still feels like the music world rewards non-challenging music and people that continue to do the same thing. He references the height of 21 Pilots popularity from a few years ago and how the band is now a megalodon in the industry, dinosaurs, and everyone has moved on. And check this part out. I am a megalodon, oceans feeling like a pond, swimming like a beast underneath, they be clinging on, meteoric rise and prehistoric time, now that meteor is coming, coming. I am Megatron, cogs I'm stepping on, then the little cogs got together, start a renaissance, switch it up on me, fuel efficiency, on fumes I am running, running, running. Kid is good. Yeah. This album has a lot of songs like this, cheerier, brighter, and a big contrast from the darkness of their last album, Trench. But that's the thing that excites me the most about 21 Pilots, is I never know what they're going to do next, but I'm willing to follow them. And that's great when you just get on board and see where the see where it goes. This record struggled to get into my top five because of the quality of it, but secured a spot because of how important I think it is, because I think it's a, a special record, so... 21 Pilots, Scaled and Icy. There you go. So uh, it's interesting that you would uh, uh, say that the reason you picked that uh, 21 Pilots album was because it fit really well with the time, with mm -hmm. the, the end of the pandemic here, hopefully the end of the pandemic. Yes. Uh, because my next one is uh, by an artist named Claude. The album is called Super Monster. This probably would not have ended up on my, uh, my, my top picks for a year this year. Yeah. But to me, this album very much fits with the times that we're in, it, it, it very much, uh, it is an album about, you know, stuff that I'm not normally into young love, being a teenager, angst, all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, all of these tracks really, <laughs> really fart noised me this year. Uh, no, they really spoke to me for some reason this year. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, the other thing is too, um, this is, this album is classified as a, a lo-fi album. Mm. Um, and we'll get back to that in just a minute. You're getting old and soft. That's uh, apparently that's what I'm it is. just getting just... old and soft. But I did. I, I really enjoyed this album. Uh, here's a little clip from uh, one of the tracks, uh, "In or In Between." Hard, 
So uh, Claude Mintz, known professionally as Claude, is an American musician and singer-songwriter. Uh, they were born in Highland Park, Illinois, and they grew up in and around the Chicago area. Uh, they began re- re- uh, excuse me. They began releasing music under the pseudonym Toast in 2018 uh, with their first EP titled, surprisingly enough, Toast. Uh, in 2019, they dropped out of college at Syracuse University per- to pursue music full time. Another EP shortly followed in 2019 called Sideline Superstar. Uh, in 2020, Claude formed a new band with Clyro from uh, previously, uh, Josh Mailing uh, and Noah Francis. Gatesug. Uh, the band was named Shelley, and they released two singles thus far. Um, also in 2020, Claude uh, became the first artist to sing on Phoebe Bridger's record label, Saddest Factory. Mm-hmm. Again, see above. Like I was saying, this whole generation, they kind of tied together with one another. Super Monster is uh, Claude's debut album. Uh, it was released February 12, 2021. And I got to really quick jump into a little short history about what makes this a lo-fi album. Yes, please uh, do. The other part is that it's also classified as a bedroom pop album. I just saw that. And uh, they are all also only 22. Yes. Very young. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah. So thank you. 16 years younger than I am. I now know what it feels like to be an old man like you. It's uh, Get on board, Kyle. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Do we do we get to eat at buffets in like the early afternoon? Yeah, and... but you also get your coffee for like twenty five cents. Oh, sweet. All right, I like this. Okay, <laughs> supper clubs. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, when when we listened to that last clip there, Matthew, you said this doesn't sound lo fi. Yes, it doesn't sound lo fi <laughs> to yeah. me. So when we listened to the clip, you were like, it doesn't sound lo fi to me, and I feel like in your head you're thinking lo fi sounds dirty and and gross. Thinking lo fi sounds like uh, the Strokes or something like yeah. that. What it actually means is that it just embraces the imperfections of recording and recording equipment. But I didn't hear any. The noise, the pops, the clicks, the imperfectly played instrumentations, they're all elements of lo-fi. However, technology has improved so much that you can record an album like this in a bedroom, but it still sounds really good, but it's still technically a lo-fi album. Hmm. Weirdly, lo-fi has been around for a long time. It wasn't really recognized as such until the 1990s, but it started in the 1960s with bands that began doing home recording of their albums on less expensive equipment than was available in studios. Some notable examples include the Beach Boys' Smiley Smile and Wild Honey, yeah, which you would never think of. I mean, when I listen to those, I don't think, wow, this sounds like garbage. Sounds really great. Paul McCartney's McCartney album. Technically, Boston's Boston album was would be considered a lo-fi album. Even though it was recorded on very professional equipment, it was recorded in a home studio originally. Hmm. Too many punk bands of the 70s and 80s to count, I think, would be considered lo-fi recordings. And those, with admission here, do definitely sound like lo-fi recordings. Uh, also, a lot of early hip-hop music uh, embraced that lo-fi sound, with many early artist demo tapes and first recordings taking place in makeshift home studios. All right, I'll allow it. Also of note, one of the most watched YouTube streams of all time is called Lo-Fi Hip-Hop Radio Beats to Relax Slash Study To. Oh, it's... Yeah, that's the one that you just put on, and it's like seven yeah. hours of the same. No, it's just a constant stream. Yeah. It has 9.73 million subscribers. So, uh, well, please be, come and listen to the podcast. Yes. Uh, I'll take 0. 0.73 of you. Yeah. Uh, in the early 90s, <laughs> artists like Beck embraced the sound as well. Uh, 1994's Loser was recorded in a kitchen, and it reached the Billboard Top 10. Uh, Guided by Voices, a band long associated with the lo-fi sound, has has actually denied having any association with the lo-fi movement. Uh, They said, no, we've never, we don't want to be associated with that. We've never tried to be associated with that. Why? No clue. That's silly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
In the late 90s, the concept of lo-fi changed thanks to the introduction of computers and digital recording technology like I was just talking about. It's not like someone asks you to be part of like a pedophile group or whatever. Right? Like, I don't want to be part of that. No. no. Lo-fi? Fuck that. I don't want to be yeah, part I don't of that. Be Keep part that of away from me. I like it, though. It's interesting. What did those guys from Guided by Voices know? No, I'm just kidding. You only uh, played the one clip, right? I've only played one clip. Okay. I got one more to go back to. But anyways, yeah, like I said earlier, it's still technically a lo-fi and a, the, the bedroom pop sound because it's being recorded on home equipment, usually in people's, you know, a spare bedroom or their own bedroom or a garage or wherever. Um, so does that mean my first couple of records were lo-fi records? Yeah. Because I recorded them on, a, on an 8-track recorder in the... In the basement? Yeah. Sweet. They would be low for You know what? I don't really want to associate myself with that movement, though. All right. That's fine. Just want to... So uh, this this next one is my favorite uh, track from this whole album, and I want to play it before I tell you the name of it. So uh, here's a little clip. That's that song, uh, Mr. Bitch? That is. It's That's Mr. Bitch to You, ah. uh, featuring Melanie Fay, uh, another member of that group of people that I've talked about a couple of times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Super Monster. It's a very interesting freshman album from Claude. Uh, I hope to hear a lot more from them in the future. Claude. Claude. Dang I, it. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's a unique new sound, technically lo-fi, but still very good. Claude. Okay. Gotta write it down. So now we get to... What I consider to be my favorite record of the year. Oh. In a style that I almost never listen to, but when this guy makes a record of this quality, you listen. Not only that, it was only released in late November, so I haven't even been able to listen to it for that long. Uh, my final choice is the album Raise the Roof by Robert Plant oh, and the yeah. Queen of Bluegrass, Alison Krauss. This record is phenomenal in every sense of the word. I was blown away when I listened to it, and mind you, it is more of a modern approach to bluegrass. Uh, there are certainly banjos and stuff of that ilk, but also uh, other instrumentation that would make it more of a rock slash bluegrass uh, uh, record. Uh, this is the second collaboration between Plant and Krauss. In 2008, they released a record called Raising Sand that was universally acclaimed and rewarded. The record won five Grammys, including Record of the Year and Album of the Year and Country Album of the Year. Wow. It was stupendous. And then then they went on to do other things. But this is the return. Uh, and what I absolutely love is that one of the heroes of my youth, you know, the golden god himself, front man for Led Zeppelin and everything that comes with that, makes these wonderfully poetic and beautiful records in a style that I would never expect to see him in. I've always loved Led Zeppelin, and the power they exhibited has been second to none. But the softer side of them, uh, the ballads, was where I loved to linger. Rain Song is my favorite Led Zeppelin song. And song, such a good song. It is. And songs like What Is and What Should Never Be and The Battle of Evermore are such a great examples of dynamic changes and how loud can do soft. Uh, and that's what you get on this record. This incredible, incredibly powerful voice doing soft, but still plant. And the melodies are still haunting. Mind you, almost all of these songs are bluegrass covers and reinterpretations of older, th- older songs. Uh, the first song is called Quattro, and it was originally written and recorded by a Tex-Mex band called Calexico. 
Sounds like this. Love the ride, but not the race. All alone in a silent way. World dressing, and the world's a stranger. In a those melodies as very led zeppelin four yeah uh but the addition of her voice into that mix gives it such great depth um second song is by is originally by the everly brothers originally recorded in 1965 the song actually got to number one on the uk chart in 65 failed the chart in the states uh it's called the price of love it sounds like this record has already been to number three on the country charts number seven on the billboard chart i can tell why uh and people are noticing it uh and these two go ahead no no that's all i was gonna say these two are it's such a great musical odd couple she has this lilting youthful sounding voice and his voice has grown and matured into almost like a, a a low tenor high baritone now all these years later and what i love about him is that he's taking all these chances now with this this great cachet that he's built up over 50 years. Yeah. And some of the stuff that he did, I, I don't know if you've seen it, there's a special on uh, Austin City Limits that he did with his previous band before this. That's just one of the most fantastic musical experiences I've ever seen on that show. And that show's been around forever. Yeah. And it's so great because he does, uh, he does Zeppelin songs, but they're reinterpreted. And so he's doing the reinterpreting. So he's it's still Plant's voice with all this different instrumentation around him, like like fiddles, like different different music stuff, and and still his voice cutting through. And you're like, damn, that's so freaking good that you can still reinvent songs that have been around for so long um, and make them sound fresh again. Uh, it's so great. And for me, this is the musical surprise of the year. Um, so please check it out. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, I actually haven't listened to it fully yet. I've heard a couple of little snippets and and uh, uh, I think one full song. Yeah. But I got to go check it out at some point. It's so good. Uh, uh, so yeah, check that out. Raise the Roof. Yeah. All right. So my last choice. Yeah. It was definitely, I was not coerced by the Velvet Mafia mm. uh, to pick this one. I, I was not threatened with rejecting my gay card. 
none of these things happened. I picked this one of my own volition, and I'm just saying this out loud to uh, clarify some things. <laughs> well, who it's is a, it? It's Voyage by ABBA. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. Uh, how could I not pick this album, though? I don't know. I'm, just by not picking it. I got to be honest. It's not, it's not going to be for everybody. This is not an album that everybody's going to love. I love it, though. Uh, ABBA was such a part of my musical history as a kid, weirdly enough. Uh-huh. Not going to say that they caused me to be gay, but <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, no, but they really, uh, 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 I mean, I know all the words to every song on ABBA Gold. Uh, so in case you have been living under a rock your entire life and you don't know who ABBA is, they're a Swedish pop group formed in Stockholm in 1972. <gasps> really? Yeah. The name is an acronym uh, for the first letters of each mem- of the band members' names arranged in a palindrome. That I did not know. Agnetha uh, Falskog, Bjorn Ulvaeus, Bjorn, Benny Anderson. Thank you, Benny, for having an easy pr- to pronounce name. And Annie Frid Lungstad. Uh, <laughs> they were fairly successful after forming, but they were really rocketed to stardom in 1974 when they won the Eurovision Song Contest with the song Waterloo. Uh, so a lot of people right now are probably wondering, you know, who gives a shit? <laughs> they're just some they're a swedish pop band that had some albums in the 70s and 80s and to them i say well they have sold over 100 million albums possibly as many as 150 million albums worldwide making them contenders for a top 25 spot on most lists of the best-selling artists best-selling artists of all time that is a stupid number right they were the first band from a non-English speaking country to achieve consistent success in the charts of English speaking countries including the UK, US, Ireland, Canada, Australia, oh. New Zealand and South Africa. Uh they're the best-selling Swedish band of all time and the best-selling band originating from continental Europe. 8 consecutive number 1 albums in the UK <laughs> and this is their first album since when? In 40 years. That's fucking crazy. Uh Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010, 2015 Dancing Queen was inducted into the Recording Academy's Grammy Hall of Fame. ABBA Gold, their compilation album, which came out 10 years after the band originally broke up, I think, uh, if my numbers are correct, is the second best-selling compilation album of all time. Uh, 23 million actual sales. They claim 30 million sales. The best-selling, by the way, is The Eagles' Greatest Hits, uh, 41.2 million actual, 44 million claimed. So like I just mentioned, they broke up in 1982 after their stardom led to some divisions within the band and Agatha and Bjorn, who were married at the time, actually broke up. <laughs> in 2016, they reunited and started working on this project uh, that would, uh, they, excuse me, in 2016, they reunited and start, started working on a project that would use digital avatars on a concert tour. Uh, they announced newly recorded music in 2018, but didn't release Voyage until November 5th, 2021. Here's a clip from the first track, I Still Have Faith in You. Do I have it in me? I believe it is in there. For I know I hear a bittersweet song in the memories we share.
So this is their ninth studio album, and like we just said, it's their first album in 40 years. That is nuts. And I think it sounds like it could have been made immediately after their last album. Oh, it does? Yeah, it's bonkers. This debuted at number one in Australia, Austria, Belgium, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK. And? And? What about the US? uh, Sadly, uh... It is their highest reaching in the U.S., only reached number two. Boo. So, sorry, ABBA. But uh, this is also the highest selling vinyl album thus far of the 21st century in the U.K., with 29,900 vinyl copies sold. What? It also has weirdly high physical media sales numbers. 90% of the initial sales in the U.K. were physical media. Think about the old people. That, right? that don't use Spotify or anything like that. They're like, I want to get that new I ABBA get record. I ABBA album. That, Put it, it on the hi-fi crazy when I get me. home. Uh, here's a little <laughs> clip from the, the track, uh, Don't Shut Me Down. I can I can picture a full orchestra behind them all dressed in white yeah. tuxedos. Well, so not only like we've already said, this sounds like it's an album. It is definitely an ABBA album, and it sounds like it could have happened right afterwards. So the big deal with this album as well is they are doing a the the virtual avatars thing that I was talking about. Yeah, that's premiering in London next year, and it is currently set to only be. It's not touring. It's just a stationary show. But presumably, after it's been there for six or eight months, they might shut it down to move it to New York or they move it to Las Vegas. Las Vegas. They or, should move it to the Sphere. Right? There are so many options. And it it looks and sounds very cool because the avatars that they use during it can age. So the show opens supposedly with them at their current age talking about their the history of ABBA and everything that they've been able to do and then they regress back to them their young selves so they can do Dancing Queen and Waterloo and and all their classic hits and then they age up as the show goes on to perform songs from this new album. Oh my god. It sounds very very cool. I'm very very interested you know, in seeing it. They are building a sphere in London and in New York, as well as Las Vegas. You That's could true. do this in all three places. You, you could. You could do it in all three places at the same time. Oh, oh, that would actually kind of suck, because it would be like noon here and like oh, four so in the cool. afternoon in New York and like 9 p.m. in London. So cool. Though. 10 p.m. in London, something like that. But you like could that. do it. You could. You could do it. But it definitely, this album, like I said, uh, when it came out, I was like, oh, that'll be a fun listen. 
I've probably listened to it 20 times since it came out just a couple of months ago. What's the name of the record again? Uh, uh, <laughs> Voyage. Ah, Voyage. I, am, I, am, I almost said Voyager, and that's why I wanted to look. Because right. I was like, wait a minute, is it Voyage or Voyager? It is Voyage. Voyage. So that's it. Those are my five for the year. My five as five well. For the year. I assume you had some uh, almost made it. I do. Raise the Roof by uh, Plant and Krauss had the honor of bumping four potential candidates from the list when it came out in late November. Uh, but I'd like to give them their due. Uh, the first one, starting now by Toad the Wet Sprocket. The very anticipated new record by the Santa Barbara Band was released in September. I went and saw them, and what I will say is that the record sounds a lot better live. It's unusual for a Toad record for there to be that big of a disparity between recording and live, but there is this time to some degree. That being said, the songs are wonderfully written as always. They just lack a punch on the record. Uh, here's a little bit of Transient Wales. Now in dreams I swim with the transient whales. All we have is each other songs we share, songs we share. We are never standing still. The earth is spinning around the sun. Glenn's lyrics, still on point, touching, completely relatable. And because it's a Toad record, we will be covering it somewhere down the line. Of course. So, uh, number two is Medicine at Midnight by Foo Fighters. Ooh, yeah. When I listened to this album when it first came out, I was pretty disappointed, actually. Uh, it sounded kind of mailed in. Uh, but I think I've come to expect a lot from this band over the years, and you realize that it gets harder and harder to deliver on those expectations because they are completely unrealistic. Uh, when I listened to it again recently, it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Uh, and so maybe you should give it a listen. Here's a piece of Making a Fire. They released an extended version of this album later in the year that is far superior. It is hmm. called Hail Satin. And the first five <laughs> songs of the album are BG covers. And really? They, and they are fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. The next album I have is an album called Nature Always Wins by a band called Maximo Park. Ooh. Uh, Maximo Park is another fantastic band that I never heard of before uh, this record. This is their seventh record. They've been around since 2000. Frustrating again. Um, yeah. This album is very interesting. Good listen. And honestly, this is the record that got bumped out of the top five by Plant and Krauss. Uh, check out Versions of You. Watching Also has a great album cover. I hmm. uh, love it when the whole package is good. And last, 
Time Clocks by Joe Bonamassa. As usual, the blues giant comes at you with a wallop. Uh, it's a great addition to his catalog, but it's a little weaker than his recent albums. I think uh, his album from 2018, Blues of Desperation, was so good that it, it's going to be tough to top it. But it's still an excellent record. It adds something nice. Uh, here's some of the title track. He's amazing, yeah. and it is an actual. It's an excellent album, uh, and that's what I got for uh, honorable mentions. Sweet. So uh, my first one that almost made it is uh, Adele's Thirty. Just fucking powerhouse of an album. Yep, I like it a lot. But uh, listen to the first lines from the first song here. Uh, this is uh, from Strangers by Nature. I'll be taking flowers. To the cemetery of my heart For all of my lovers In their present and in the dark Every anniversary I'll pay respects and say I'm sorry For they never stood Voice is so great. And her voice is amazing. So terrible. I love the the little the organ accompaniment. But God damn it, is this a sad album? <laughs> I don't need this shit right now, Adele. Another one? Yeah, oh my God, it is such a sad, depressing. I mean, it's an album about her getting divorced uh, and breaking up, and it's like every person I've ever loved. Let's sing about how sad they made me. Oh my God, I don't need this right now. It is a beautiful album. If you listen to it and you can detach yourself from the sadness, it's great. I couldn't. I, I absolutely, the first time I heard it, I was just like, I got to stop listening to this. I was just, I literally, I was doing something else. I was washing dishes or something. And I found myself just sitting in a chair slumped over like, oh God, <laughs> I got to switch to something else. And I think I switched to like some surf music or something to like perk myself That's back better. up. Oh God. Uh, so the next one is uh, Joy Aladakun. Um, in defense of my own happiness, she's a singer-songwriter from uh, Great Britain. Uh, this is a, a wonderful album. This is a clip from uh, the song "Smoke." Yesterday, I left my joint sitting on the counter. Forgot to put it out. Yeah, forgot these things of power. Yeah, it burned a hole right through. Like all the years you can't undo. Short clip there, but uh, it gives you a quick little example. This album is is very very good. It is more um, singer songwritery. The rest of the album is a little bit more acoustic than that song is. I, I like it a lot. Again, it's another like afternoon slowdown album, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why it didn't make the final cut. It just got bumped because it, it's it's good, but it, uh, it didn't quite make it there. It's good. Uh, the last one is uh, Stara, uh, the longest interlude. 
this is another one that is a little bit out of my wheelhouse because it's a little bit more hip hoppy. Hip hip hop hippopotamus. Hip hop hip hop the rhyme noceros. And the hip hop hippopotamus. <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit more hip hoppy than what I would normally listen to, uh, but it definitely has a lot of very eighties synth influences in it. Um, which is what actually drew me to it originally. Here's a little clip from uh, miss this. Calling me mommy. What her mama gon' think? Drugging my body. What her papa gon' think? Stuck in my body. Pray to God. I don't think. I trust nobody, told my partner don't blame this Keep that blicky, front door the sticky, front door the quickie, come through and hear me Interesting. It, it is a very interesting album to listen to. Again, another fun album. And I, I, I feel like I just keep repeating myself today, but I most of my albums of the year I feel like were upbeat, fun, trying to keep the attitude up and positive in, in these uh, dark times I that we've been good. through. I think that's good. And I agree. I, I think it's very good. Uh, but that, that's it. Those are my almost made it's for I would, uh, 2021. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, uh, an album that I didn't have any clips from. But uh, <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff, An Evening with Silk Sonic oh. is such a great fucking record. Like, I can't say enough good things about it. And the problem is I listened to it extensively after I finished this. So I didn't <laughs> want to wedge it back in. But it is such a great record, and I think we'll talk about that in in the coming year because it is so good. Because it's such a throwback, a lot like ABBA, but like it's a it's a throwback to the '70s with updated mentalities, and it's it's just cool. so so good. Huh. Um, yeah, so uh, check that one out as well. Any guesses on what records I won't be listening to that came out this year? Ooh, uh, how about Jordy by Maroon Five? No, oh, that's crap. <laughs> Coldplay's Music of the Spheres. No, thank you. Imagine Dragons Mercury. No, I'll skip that one too. Uh, that's our list for 2021. Yeah. Uh, let me hear from you guys out there. Please. Tell me what we don't know. Tell me we don't know what we're talking about and how we yeah. did not put Taylor Swift's version of the Red Album on this fucking yeah. list. It's a travesty. Or more specifically, tell us the ones that we missed. Like because, that one. Yeah, I mean, well. Maybe. Taylor Swift's yeah. Red Red <laughs> Good album, but yeah. yeah you know. How does it score an 88 on Metacritic? For fuck's yeah. sake! Come on, someone give me an explanation for right? that. But how would they? Uh, how would they go about getting in touch with us, Matthew? If they well, do want to tell us, well, uh, if they we want to get wrong. in touch with us, they'd uh, get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash audio judo, Twitter at audio judo, Instagram at audio underscore judo, or they could drop us a line via email info at audio judo.com. Also, if you want to support the podcast, uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, our first tier is called the Front Row Seats tier. It's five bucks a month, uh, but that tier does include two-day early access to all of our episodes. A shout-out to on future episodes as a loyal producer. Uh, bonus mini-episodes called Judo Chops, which are a lot of fun. Uh, and some occasional bonus content, such as unedited interviews, behind-the-scenes videos, and tiny tidbits that got cut out of episodes, mostly because we were opening beer bottles or farting. Uh, there's also, uh, the next tier is called the Backstage Pass tier. It's a little bit of a jump up. It's $20 a month, but it includes everything that the front row seats tier has, as well as a very special personalized gift and the chance to co-host an episode of Audio Judo uh, on the album of your choice. That benefit activates after one year of patronage at that tier and can only be activated once. Uh, but it is a good way to, uh, uh, if you really, really, really want to hear us talk about some album or Taylor Swift's The Red Album, we'll talk about it if you 
Right. You know, because I don't have a plausible explanation for an 88 on Metacritic. Someone's right? got to help me out. I mean, it's a fine record, but really? Oh, uh, so <laughs> we are so very glad you are here. Yes. I uh, hope that you continue to join us in 2022. It's going to be an exciting year. So come back and go listen to music. Yes. Until next time. Bye bye, everyone. Take care. <laughs>